0: God.
1: everybody. This is Tiki Al Al
0: Tiki Al Zakeda, Hollywood prop master. Your type of work, is this usually gig work or salaried?
1: Um, it's hourly.
0: Hourly, uh-huh.
1: It's hourly, even though it's like this is usually, for the most part, I was brought on as an independent contractor because none of the shops basically have like steady work. You know, it's like on a per project basis. Like when I was working on Deep Space Nine, Mm -hmm. I would get brought in to work on, oh yeah, we need to make these things for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, And then Oh, well, we're doing Voyager, so why don't you come in and work on that? And I'll be like, okay, what do we need? Oh, it's a thing for the Borg season finale, blah, blah, blah. Okay, make it. Hmm. So we'd make the stuff. But then it's a season finale. So right. guess what? <laughs> They're not shooting anything <laughs> till next season
0: what yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so it's like you kind of go okay and everybody you know pats you on the butt on your way out okay we'll call you you know <laughs> and, and you're like oh my god so you can make really good money and then all of a sudden there isn't it
0: right yeah and it could be for two weeks or it could be for two months hmm. or it could in you you know so it's like feast or famine right on so the how'd... nice
1: thing about this new job is that I'm actually like an employee. You know, I punch in. Uh, I just, after being there for the time that I've been, I now have medical and benefits and stuff, which is kind of very difficult in our field. Uh, I try to, you know, get into the union on several occasions out here. It's really tough because the union people don't want more people at the union because then there's. You know, it's like if there's 10 jobs and there's 10 union guys, that's great. But if there's 10 jobs and there's 20 union guys, mm. then it's like, well, there's going to be 10 union guys without work. Hmm. Right? I mean, it's right. a very simple math. So every time that somebody would say, hey, if you help us out on this, you know, we'll get you in, never worked. Hmm. They got what they wanted out of me. And then it was like, okay, you know, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, I didn't grow up in L.A., you know, I'm from out of town, and I didn't go to school with any of these guys, and I'm not married or dating any of their wives or girlfriends or, you know, <laughs> daughters or whatever. So uh, it's tough. It's tough. And, and, you know, you meet people, but they don't want to share the cookie. You know, it's like they got their cookie and they're happy with it, and they want the chocolate chips to themselves. Why bring me on board? And it's like do they, nobody wants a guy who can design something, build it, mold it, cast it, and go to final product. There's a union for mold makers. That's it. There's a union for, you know, prototypers. There's a union for all these different facets. So I don't know if it's that they feel threatened or it's, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But here's the, here's the thing. I love what I do. I love making stuff. I've been making stuff since I was in kindergarten. My grandfather would babysit me with my grandmother uh, when I was a little kid in kindergarten, and uh, my parents would come and pick me up when they were out of work, and to keep me quiet, my grandfather would buy me a little bottle kit for like a quarter, tiny little simple, you know, Mm -hmm. ten pieces, and you know, I'm I'm freaking six years old, to me it was like daunting, Yeah. so I figure out how to put it all together and as I got older the models got more and more complicated yeah so now I'm you know making phasers making uh, you know lightsabers
0: stuff I saw the robot arm from that other movie I don't know if I can mention it but that was pretty cool
1: oh the Terminator one? yes yeah that was pretty badass huh yeah yeah yeah, which I, I don't even have one of those anymore <laughs> yeah it's sad we work on all this cool it's, it's sad because you would think that of all these things that we work on people just assume that we have them and we don't you work on a project you're doing it for that shop for the client and it goes out the door and it's done you don't have one I, I, I have from my Star Trek days I still have like castings from the molds that I did for Voyager and for uh, Star Trek, um, what that?
0: Deep Space Nine. First oh. Contact. Oh, Star Trek, oh sorry, yep.
1: Yeah, the first contact, I had like the rifle. And when I got that, the plan was, made it for the movie, I'll make one, I'll have one. And I kept thinking, ooh, I'm gonna put a laser in it, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. Blah, blah, blah. Fast forward 15, 20 years later, Still in a, in a Tupperware box waiting, <laughs> because you're so busy doing the stuff that you love to do that when you're when you get home and when you have your free time, the last thing you want to do is what you just left work doing. Yeah. You no, know? that's how I fell into the whole Tiki thing because Tiki is all about escapism, going off to paradise, just relaxing. Having a cocktail, eating some teriyaki chicken or some kalua pork, and just calming down. Yeah, and that's what I love about it. It's, it's like it's as far away from Star Wars and Star Trek as you can get.
0: Hmm. That makes even
1: sense. though, believe it or not, there's tiki Star Wars
0: now. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, are you I'm, behind I'm, that, Al? <laughs>
1: well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm. Behind find it but I can honestly say that I was one of the first idiots to put the two together I did a start I did a uh, a Darth Vader tiki necklace years ago <laughs> just as a goof and next thing I know people are like oh yeah there's a, there's like a Darth Vader tiki bug they're like really really okay whatever cuz I don't remember Darth ever being on a beach having a Mai Tai but okay so ra
0: are buying it. Oh fun. So god god bless them. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this since when? Forever? Forever? So
1: I've been, what I've been, like, like I said, since
0: since after I high school, grade. what did you do? Did you go high school and boom, you're in the you're doing this hustle work or is it
1: Well, well, let's see. I uh, while I was in high school, I worked for a company in Miami, Florida, or well, South Miami, Florida, called .5 magnetic signs, and I basically was a high school kid in eighth grade, and my high school teacher found out that I liked Star Trek because I had the novelizations. Back then, I mean, you got to remember this is like
0: seventies, early seven, mid mid seven, mm-hmm.
1: and um, there were no Okay, right. if you wanted to watch Star Trek, you had to know when it was going to be on, <laughs> and you had to be in front of a TV because you couldn't record it, it wasn't going to be on. So, the only way we uh, Star Trek geeks could get a sci fi Star Trek fix was you would read the books.
0: Mm. So, she
1: sees me reading the books, and she goes, Hey, are you into this stuff? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, I kind of like it, it's kind of cool. And the cool thing is,
0: Right. Which is really
1: cool Yeah. And he's like yeah okay whatever uh, but if you're into this stuff there's conventions and I was like what convention <laughs> now let me tell you back then convention not what they are now <laughs> we're talking about it's at a holiday inn there's two rooms one of them is a little theater's room with like 20 tables of people selling comic books and a couple of Star Trek models because there was no merchandise. I think they were Mego action figures was about it. That All we had was like some little Mego action figures. Mm. And um, you couldn't get a phaser. There were no phasers. So I made a phaser out of plywood going by the pictures in the making of Star Trek. Mm. And um, I was so proud of my phaser. I was the only one in the whole show that had a phaser. And I, I put some little, very basic sounds in it where, like, you pull the trigger and it would, like, <laughs> make, like, a little warbling sound and a little light on the tip. Right. So I'm at the show and I'm walking around with my face or, like, I'm just a badass.
0: <laughs> and
1: this guy sees me and he goes, hey, where'd you buy that? And I go, I didn't buy that. I made that. Dun, dun, dun. And he goes, really? You made that? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I make stuff. How would you like to work for me, making stuff? So I was like, okay, wait, wait. You're gonna pay me to make stuff that I love to make. What yeah. what could be better than that?
0: No, I right? know nothing.
1: That's that's like you know that's like you know you you love you love chocolate. Somebody wants to pay you to eat
0: chocolate,
1: <laughs> right? Right. So that was my chocolate. So I worked for this guy, Paul Kordesmeyer. that, and we would go to these Star Trek conventions and peddle our stuff, and I, I made like little Star Trek official IDs that we would hot stamp, and, and I would engrave people's names on them with an engraving machine, because he had a sign shop, hmm. and we would make all this like cool stuff. So I was making that kind of stuff for a while, then um, I decided to go to college and take all after I got out of high school. So I did that. There were no graphics courses in college, so I uh, ended up hating fine art. Fine art is just really, you know, guys Hmm. like putting paint on their hands and splattering on a a canvas, (laughs) and then calling it Hold Me. (laughs) Forget it, it's a bunch of hands on the canvas, hold me, because it's a hand. It's like, oh my God. So one of my instructors goes, you know Al, you're a little bit more of an illustrator. You need to go to the Art Institute. So I went to this place, the Art Institute, did a bunch of stuff there, had the largest portfolio in the history of the school till that point. Everybody had one table. I had four tables full of stuff. <laughs> so I thought I was going to come out and set the world on fire. And guess what? It's still Miami, Florida. In the 80s. Uh-huh. And people would look at me and go, yeah, this is really great stuff, kid, but, you know, we're not doing Star Trek, okay? We're, we're doing, like, magazines for tourists, so uh, why don't you take this copy and, and wax it onto these magazines? Yeah, okay. So I did that for a few years. That was not very exciting. But meanwhile, while this is all going on, Star Trek is still sort of there. Star Wars is really big, so I started making Star Wars costumes and all this stuff. And I would go to these shows, and people would look at my stuff and go, now, keep in mind, this is before cosplay. Mm -hmm. This is back when it was just costume. That was it. It was like you were a costume. So I would go to these shows, and the guests at these shows would look at my stuff and go, wow, we could have really used somebody like you on this project we just finished in LA because back then everything was in LA mm. and you know you hear that for years and eventually you're like okay I guess I gotta move to LA
0: <laughs> it's a hint oh yeah I'm gonna yeah, take did, the hint like, <laughs> Are you interested in science fiction with a Hawaiian twist? Nafi is a retired pro surfer who works security at a pineapple plant. He falls for a girl who uses him to break security so she can investigate a conspiracy to destroy Hawaii's pineapple crop. Unfortunately, she gets caught Nafi gets in trouble and the epidemiologist who's behind the pineapple virus is out to kill them. Honolulu Hati is a cyberpunk action-adventure novelette set in post-global warming Hawaii. To get this novelette, go to Amazon and search for Lancer Honolulu Hati. Hey, go crack open the show notes because you'll find some great goodies like some photos of Al's prop work and photos of his tiki work. And you got to check out the man's Jeep. It is something to behold. Think of it, folks, a tiki Jeep. Where are these show notes? If you're using a podcast player on your iPhone, just go over and glance at the podcast where your podcast player uh, keeps your notes. If you downloaded this from the internet, go back to the page where you downloaded this MP3, and you will see on that webpage the show notes. Next episode, we hear more from Tiki Al.
1: You know, and I've worked on Star Trek. I've worked on Star Wars. I've worked on Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, I, I was a regular on Drew Carey for
0: years. Nice. Wow. And it
1: was hilarious because I would literally go to wardrobe wearing costume pieces. And these kids that are in charge of wardrobe, they they didn't know what a Battlestar Galactica jacket looked like. They're they're like 22 years old. They had no clue. So I get a call from people three months later when the show aired. They're like, dude, I was watching Drew Carey and you're at the bar in a Colonial (laughs) Cypher. What the hell was that? about? <laughs> like, oh, huh? How could I not catch that? You're like, you're like, literally looking off camera and just kind of smiling, holding a beard. and you're wearing a oh Rastacan belt buckle. What the, you're, you're like out of control, oh like, yeah. Oh my god.